fun day, kind of around tables. It's a little different, uh, but that's good because my sermon's going to be a little different today. And, uh, and so uh, we, uh, I'm going to go a little history channel on you today. So if you can uh, just bear with me as we uh, uh, kind of look at something I, I think is pretty cool. Thank you very much. You know, um, what, a, what an amazing weekend this has been. I'm so thankful for our, our team and our church, our staff, our, our, I mean, our crew that decorates our church and uh, built this set. And, and I'll tell you, God is, blows me away that I get to pastor people like this. I kind of feel a little intimidated sometimes because they're so great. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you, it's been amazing to see the talent in our church and the way that uh, it's made a difference in our community. And uh, I've had people, st- I had someone stop me at Walmart yesterday that said, hey, I came uh, to, to that thing, and that was really good. And uh, and I just really am thankful for Chad and for Paul and for, um, you know, Casey Long, who has directed this, all our actors, and, man, they've just worked hard. Would you give them a hand? I mean, it's amazing. You know, this morning, um, I'm excited about today. We've been working over the last several weeks as we've looked at the Christmas season on, on kind of putting the puzzle of, of Christmas together. And, it's, and you know, as I, as I pray about, prayed about this series, one of the things that I've, I've prayed for is that, is that we would be confident in Christ. We'd be confident in what Jesus has done and is doing. And as you think about this moment that Jesus entered human history, and, and it, man, it was, it was perfectly predicted. We've looked at this, how, how the prophets predicted this. And, and we've looked at the Old Testament and how, how these prophets were shooting these arrows of truth that God had given them, and they were flying across the history of the world, and they landed on one person, on Jesus. And, and it's amazing to see how it was perfectly predicted. It was perfectly planned, how, how Jesus planned this to perfection, how God in all his wisdom, in his sovereignty, in his, in his knowledge, he planned his coming to perfection, and then he executed it with perfection. It's one thing to have a good plan. It's another thing to execute it. And, and, and God executed his plan to perfection. And, and you know, this morning, um, I want to remind us that we, we've, the springboard for this entire series uh, has been Galatians 4.4. I want you to turn there in your Bibles with me. And we're looking at it every week, and I just want this to be in our heart. Uh, Galatians 4.4 and 5 says this, Paul writes, that when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born under the law. That idea of fullness of time, it, it's, this, it's this completeness. It was perfect. It was, it was just the perfect plan. It's totality is what it means. It's one word in Greek called pleroma. And, it, and, and Paul writes and gives us this insight. When the perfect, the complete totality of time had come, what did God do? He sent his son, born of a woman born under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, um, on December 23rd, we're going to unpack this passage of Scripture specifically. But, but, but this idea that the fullness of time had come, this is something I, I pray that we get a hold of. We, we put the puzzle together of the, of the fullness of time. Now, now I don't know, if, have, you, have you ever done Google Earth? Have you all done Google Earth? 
It's a pretty cool feature on Google where, where you can like zone in and, and you can pick a, a point in the history of the world or in the in the in the in the, in the, on, the, on the earth, and you can type in an address, and it, it's really cool because it zooms out, and then you zoom right in on that piece of property. You can do that in your house. You can do that at your neighbor's house. Who, if you want to look in the window, maybe you don't do that, um, but, but it's just a cool feature. Google Earth is, is pretty cool. Well, what I want us to do this morning is to kind of have a Google Earth mentality when it comes to the history of the world. And what we're going to do, we're going to kind of zoom in and zoom out, zoom out on different points of history. And, uh, and, and you know, if you have your Bibles, flip over to Mark chapter 1, because that's our text today uh, that I want us to just consider. And, and, and I want us to pull, zoom back out from Paul as he wrote to Galatians in, in Galatians 4, and, and let's zoom in on Jesus for a second. Because Jesus also talked about this fullness of time. Uh, now, last week, we, we, we looked at John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner, and, and, and this was the plan that God had instituted, that, that, that Elizabeth would, be, would, would have a baby and, and this miracle birth with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had a, had a role to play. He was the forerunner of Christ. Now, Mark opens his gospel in Mark chapter 1. Would you stand with me and let's read verses 14 and 15 in Mark chapter 1. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now look at this passage for a second. John the Baptist, he, he, he was arrested. And we know his story because his, his, here he was right in the middle of God's will. His whole purpose was to be the forerunner of the Messiah. His whole life was pointing the world to Jesus. Now you see John get arrested. And here he is right in the middle of God's will, and yet he's facing this difficulty. And, and you know the rest of the story of John the Baptist. He gets his head cut off shortly after this. And, and John uh, had sent word to, through his disciples to Jesus, are you the one? Are you really the one in, in the last part of his life? Um, we looked at this a little bit last week that John was, was questioning, but yet Jesus said to John's disciples, go tell him, look, you've seen, look at what I've, tell, tell, tell John what you've seen and heard. People are healed and lives are changed. And then, then Jesus begins his ministry, John goes to heaven. And, and, and right here, this passage, Mark starts that, that what did Jesus do? He came into Galilee he, proclaimed, he was proclaiming the gospel of God. It's this important message we've said every evening at, at our, our Christmas program. The reason that all the, all the Christmas stories have this theme of redemption, whether it's the Hallmark Channel, whether it's Elf, you know, uh, all of them have this theme of redemption. Why is that? Because Jesus brought redemption to the world and it changed the course of history. 
And what did Jesus do? He proclaimed the gospel of God, the fact that we need a Savior. That's the gospel. They were sinners, and we des- that our greatest need in our life is a Savior. And Jesus was faithful to proclaim that message because that's why he came. And then what does he say? Verse 15, and the time is fulfilled. It's that idea, this is the fullness of time. Look, this is, the, and, 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 and this is what I pray we recognize, that when Jesus entered human history, that was, that was the focal point in the history of the world. That, that, I mean, when you look at us, we look back on that moment in history as the, the source of our hope and life and, and, and meaning. And, and, you know, before Christ came, they were looking forward that a Messiah was coming. And this year it was fascinating when we went to Israel because uh, I went to the Wailing Wall. And, and we were there by the Wailing Wall as these, these men, there's a women's section and a men's section. And, and, and people are leaning against the wall. They're praying every day that a Messiah would come. Then that's what they're praying today. Send a Messiah. And I stood there and thought, oh my goodness, he, he's, he came. And, and we look back on that moment as Jesus, he entered, the, entered human history and, it was, and he said, look, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. You know, and this is the message that the world still needs as we live in the day of grace, as, as we live in a day when we look at the world and say, look at Jesus, look what he's done, look at who he is, and, and, and it's my prayer that we as a church, we are confident in our, in our, in our, in our walk with the Lord, our, we're confident in what Jesus has said. You know, we live in this growing skepticism in the world, and, and, and I'm fascinated at we do have Google, and we have all this information, but yet we live in the most biblically illiterate society in the history of the world. And, and it's my prayer that for us as a church, as, as we hold one another accountable, as we walk with the Lord, and, and as, we, as we trust him in our lives, we walk by the Spirit, that we don't walk into the world that we're called and we doubt and we're, and we're worried and we're not confident in what Jesus has said. This Christmas, as we put this puzzle piece together, I pray we're confident in what Jesus has said because, you know what, redemption of human history was not left to chance. You know, there's a lot of people that believe that, that history is random, that, that life is random, that, 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 you know, things happen by chance or happenstance. But I want us to recognize something very powerful, that God is at work in the history of the world. And God is at work in our history. And this is important. Now, um, the first point is this. If you have your notes, I'd love for you to follow along. Um, history reveals the providence of God. And, and, and this is a very, very important thing for us to understand, that history reveals the providence of God. When we were, when we were in Israel, uh, my, my, my wife uh, wouldn't allow me to put this picture up. You know, I, I'm, I'm learning to uh, ask permission versus, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't even ask her about this one because when we were in Israel, we were, went to this uh, Roman uh, 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 garrison that was being torn down and uh, there was a bathhouse and and we were all the guys stood next to the latrines and we all squatted where they went to the bathroom and had our picture made and uh and I wanted to show you that picture but I knew my wife would say no so I didn't but but 
when I was in Israel, I was fascinated at how armies came in and out of the world, how armies fought over that piece of dirt in Palestine. And I couldn't help but, but, but be amazed at how God worked through history. You know, um, the, the definition, definition of providence is this, and it's on the screen behind me. At all times, God, as the creator and sustainer, leads the world and all human history towards his masterful plan, towards his glory and redemption. Let's think about this. God is at work in the history of the world and has been from the beginning. Now, when you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, that, that period of time between these two testaments, it's called the intertestamental period. And, and, you know, there was a lot that took place during that time as, as the Old Testament closed and the New Testament begun. And now, now, here's what's important to understand about that period of time as God was at work in the history of the world. As the Old Testament closed, do you know that, there had, uh, that a prophet had not spoken in 400 years as Jesus enters human history from the time the temple was built to the time that John the Baptist entered the world, a prophet had not spoken in 450 years. Now, this is foreign to us. Because, you know, as a Christian, all we've known is life with the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and leading you. And, and you know, prior to Christ's coming, the, the God's people would look to the prophets to say, help us understand this. And even in the time when Daniel was... was um, and all those folks were, were, were captured, and, and they were in exile. Jeremiah the prophet was speaking, and, and God's people always had a prophet. And then after the temple was, was built, there was a period of 450 years that God's people had no prophet. But here's what God was doing, and I want us to see this today, and here's where I'm going History Channel on you. God set the historical stage for Christ to have the greatest global impact. And, and it was fascinating as, as God sets the stage in history. Now, I want to put up a timeline for you, and I want to just walk through something, and I want you to see a little bit of the history of the world. Now, now Nehemiah, let's see if we can get this up because uh, we tried today, and there we go. And, and I know it may be kind of hard to see, but if you can look up here on the big screen and they can focus with the cameras. But I want you to see Nehemiah finishes the walls of Jerusalem in 445 B.C. Now, now have you noticed uh, when you see B.C. and A.D., it's interesting. We talk about how, how Jesus was the focal point of human history. Isn't it interesting that the whole world measures time with Jesus? And, and that's fascinating to me. It's B.C. And, and, and Nehemiah finishes the walls, and, and, and now no prophet had spoken. This is the beginning of that. But, but you see, as history unfolds, you see these seeds of Western civilization coming into, into, into view. Here we are in the Western world. We live in Western civilization. You see the rise of Socrates. You know, you've heard of him, right? He's a philosopher. Socrates was a philosopher. Then Plato comes after Socrates. And then Aristotle comes after, after these guys. These are, these are men that shaped our thinking, shaped our culture. And they come into power when you, or in their philosophies start shaping the world. 
And, and you know what? In the, even though these are secular guys, God is using them to shape thinking in the world. Aristotle's greatest student was this guy you've probably heard of if you paid attention in history class. And if you didn't, let me remind you, a guy named Alexander the Great. Remember him? Alexander the Great was Aristotle's most famous student. And Alexander the Great comes into power, and he learned from Aristotle this idea of unity. That, that, look, the world needs to be unified. We need to bring unity to the world because that's the way to maximize the greatest power, the greatest influence. So Alexander the Great conquers Persia in 331 B.C., and it's interesting because he brings this this sword to the world, but what he's really trying to do is bring unity to the world. Now, he was selfish, and he ends up dying in a battle, and then his kingdom is split between two, Ptolemy and Seleucids, and in, in Israel and in Palestine, that was this kingdom of, of Ptolemy, and in these, these generals from Alexander the Great. And it's interesting, as, as Antiochuses come into power under the Ptolemy rule, they come into power in 198 B.C. And it's interesting as you trace the history of the world, Antiochus III was one of these rulers. They're continually shaped by Aristotle's thinking and and the Hellenization of Palestine begins. Have you ever heard that term, Hellenization? It's the Greek influence in the world. And, and, And what's interesting is Greek thought has greatly influenced America and our in our country. And it's fascinating, Western society has been greatly influenced by Hellenization. And in 198 BC, the Hellenization of Palestine begins. Now, now hang with me because what's, what's interesting is this, this Greek culture, they're trying to bring one Greek culture together. And, and out of this Hellenization philosophy, there was a, a group of Hasidic Jews that realized, look, we are becoming Greek. We're losing our Judaism. And so because they were losing their Judaism, they, they, they went back to the law. They went back to the teaching. And this group began to form out of this Hellenization of Palestine. And it was this group of of Puritans, and they're called the Pharisees. You ever heard of them? The Pharisees were, they started as a group of conservative leaders that that we're going to go back to the law. We're going to go back to the word of God. We're not going to lose our culture. We're not going to become Greek. We're going to go back to the law. And they were in the process of doing this. And this guy in 175 B.C. comes into power. He's uh, uh, in the line of the Antiochuses, and it's Antiochus Epiphanes. I don't know if you've ever heard of that guy. Antiochus Epiphanes was, was brutal. He was, he was considered almost, well, probably worse than Hitler. And he comes into power, and, and he makes it illegal that if you have a copy of the law of God, that's a capital crime. If you practice circumcision, that was a capital crime. And, 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 the, and as Antiochus comes into power, um, he, uh, he said, look, if you, if you set aside a day to worship the Lord, you'll be killed. 
And Antiochus Epiphanes, he, he just is brutal. He's, he's murdering Jews by the droves. And then all of a sudden, he makes a decision. He goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm so sick of all you Jews. He goes into the temple, and he sacrifices a pig on the altar of God in the temple. And for a Jew, this was the ultimate insult. This, is, uh, this was devastating for them. There was this man named Matthias Maccabeus that was living at this time. And he had five sons. And Matthias, when Antiochus Epiphanes goes in and sacrifices a pig on the altar, he was like, that's it, boys, it's on. And he gets his boys together. They start a revolt called the Maccabean Revolt. And, and, and they go into, and, and they start fighting. They start this guerrilla warfare. And this wasn't like, we're going to line up and battle uh, Antiochus and his soldiers on a field of battle. No, they're hiding behind trees. They're picking them off. And, and they start this guerrilla warfare. And I'll tell you what, they were tough. Daddy Maccabeus dies. His third son, Jacob Maccabeus, takes over. Or no, excuse me, Judah. Judas Maccabeus takes over. And you know what his nickname was? I love this guy. I, I, I don't know if he's in heaven or not. I hope we get to meet him. He probably is because he was looking for the Messiah. But because people were saved and before Christ came by faith in the Messiah that was coming. But I love Judas Maccabeus' nickname because he was known as Judas the Hammerer. Isn't that cool? I mean, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be a warrior. I want to be like, I don't want to be like the the thinker, I want to be the hammer. I mean, that's the guy you want. Like when it goes down and when there's a fight, you're like, where's the hammer? I'm on his side. Come on, buddy, let's go get him, Mr. Hammer. And so, uh, so Judas comes into power and, and he, he brings the hammer. And he defeats Antiochus Epiphanes and they reopen the temple in 164 BC. And you see a lot of this in our culture today. You know how Jews celebrate Hanukkah? Hanukkah is the moment that Antiochus Epiphanes was defeated and Judas Maccabeus reopened the temple. And at 164 BC, the Jews began to worship in the temple, sacrifice, and, and then shortly after that, Palestine was conquered by Pompey in 63 B.C. Pompey was the first Roman. That's when Roman rule began to come into power. Pompey conquers Palestine. And, 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 and then one of the things that was, was big in, in Roman culture and Roman philosophy, that when they would conquer a, a people, they would say, look, we want you, you can worship your God, because they, they discovered that, that when, I, when they conquered a people and, and took away their, 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 their freedom of worship, that people would revolt like Judas Maccabeus. And they were like, okay, let's, let's learn from history here. Pompey wisely brought this philosophy of unity that they learned from Aristotle. Look, let's bring unity. Look, you can worship your God as long as you give honor to, to Rome. And Caesar, this philosophy prevailed. This freedom of religion, if you will, prevailed. And, and so Romans wisely said, look, these Jews 
They're passionate about their worship, so let's establish a leader. There was an, an Idumean chieftain named Herod who was put into power in Palestine. He was Jew, kind of Jewish, and, 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 and he was known as the puppet king. He comes into power. He's appointed in 40 BC. He is a, a masterful businessman. He's a masterful opportunist. He, he uh, was really corrupt and, and, and materialistic, and what he built was amazing if you look at how he executed his life and, and, and his kingdom. He comes into power, but he was known as kind of a puppet king of Israel because he just did whatever the Romans told him to do. And then the Pleroma happened. Jesus entered human history about 40 years or so after Herod comes into power and the gospel spread. Now, now why is this important? Point number two is why. And I want us to see this, that Roman peace, Roman law, Roman roads enabled the gospel to spread. You know what's interesting about God's word? I'm amazed how God has worked through history. Job 12.23 says this, he makes nations great. And he destroys them. He enlarges nations and leads them away. Folks, I got, I, I, this is important for us today. Because I want you to be confident in the way God has worked in the history of the world. And it is fascinating. As the Romans came into power, and, and one of the things that they did is they instituted peace in the world. How did they do that? Well, they conquered the world. They, they, they defeated enemies, and, 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 and the world began to become unified because Rome, they conquered the world. They, they brought peace with a sword. And, and, and for the first time in the history of the world, well, at this time in the history of the world, it really began to expand. And, and it's interesting how, how uh, north South, east, and west, Rome began to, to bring country after country under their rule. Roman peace made a difference. Roman law impacted the world. That's one thing about Romans. They, they, if you under, ever did History Channel or, or watch any shows about Rome, they, their government style, their, their government of the people, and, and, and they, had, they had senators that were very important, and, and we were a government of the people. And, and, and so it's interesting as these, um, these they, they made these laws that said, look, let's be, let's be honest and fair. Let's, let's establish commerce and let's, let's get these laws and this system. And it's interesting, as you look at the history of, of the gospel, do you know that the gospel has traveled the road of commerce all through history? And because Rome conquered the world, you see the gospel traveling the same path of commerce. That's happened in Owasso. I mean, look at us. Look at our church. I mean, when our church was started by First Baptist Sperry, we, we were this little bitty town. Sperry, Oklahoma was larger than Owasso. And what's interesting is, is as our church started downtown where all the commerce was, and then, and then we moved way out of town on 86th Street, 
You know, like when they built the high school, Owasso High School, some people said, why did they build this way out in the country? Why did they build Owasso High School way out there? Some of you were here when that happened. And um, you know how you can tell the difference between someone that's been in Owasso a long time and someone that's new? Owasso? If they say Owasso, they've been here a long time. Okay, it's just a little secret. Um, learned that. But, um, but then, you know, what's interesting is our church, we we purchased this 20 acres of land that we sit on next to this farm, and, and there was a farm five years ago or six years ago right over here, and, and you know, because God is so faithful to, travel, to let the gospel travel the road of commerce, Sam's wisely built next door to us, and it was so smart of them. And, and what's interesting is you see how God set the stage through history, but not only did Rome build law and peace. Rome was famous for building roads. And they were like, look, we gotta, we gotta have our armies gotta travel. They gotta, they gotta go all these different places and, and, and commerce has to continue. And Rome built roads which enabled the Great Commission to take place. Remember the Great Commission? Jesus in Matthew 28. And he said to his, and Jesus came to them and said, look what he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He said to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of how many nations? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And one of the things I want us to see is that God set the stage through past history, making the Great Commission possible. And I love how God did this. That, that God continues, and, and this is what he's doing for us, he continues to refocus the church on the Great Commission task. And this is why we've got to be faithful to go like Keith has led us as our missions pastor, to go here, there, and everywhere, because the gospel call is to go all over the world to make disciples to let people know who Jesus is and what he's done. And this is why I love it that our church, we, we give over $260,000 a year. And it goes to the cooperative program, which sends missionaries all over the world. We also give another almost $100,000 a year that, that puts missionaries on the field to share the gospel. Our church does that every year. And I'll tell you, because the... We have got to be focused on, on this great commission task. And, and you know what's interesting is I look at history. I look at how all this is unfolded. God promises to empower his people all the way to the end of time. And folks, this morning, I know that this is a different message, but we're set up in a different way, so it works. It's all different all the way around. But God has been at work through history. And point number three is this, the redemption of mankind remains a masterful plan. God has brought his message, and it's amazing to me, because here we are. Because of Aristotle teaching this 
culture, this, this philosophy of unity, Alexander the Great coming into power and bringing this philosophy uh, and, and conquering the world, and then, then Rome coming into power and building roads that, that the gospel is able to travel and spread. Here we are thousands of years later in Indian territory, and we know about Jesus. God's redemption plan is masterful because God did all that because he loves you and he loves me. And in John 17, when Jesus is about to go to the cross, verse 20 and 21, is that John 17 is such a cool prayer of Jesus as, as he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, And he prays for us. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that they may be one, Father, as I am in you, and you are in me. May they also be in us so that the world would believe that you sent me. And folks, Jesus came into this world. It's called the incarnation. That's the moment that God became flesh. And you know, the incarnation of Christ must never be mildly important for us. Can we never forget that? This moment of Jesus coming into the world, this cannot be just going through the motions for us. As we take a moment to step back and, and look at briefly the history of God, of God's work in the world, our redemption has not been left to some careless chance. Just like God has been faithful all through history. Can I just remind you today that God is faithful in your history? that it's not a secret, it's part of his plan that you were born, that you're alive. Psalm 139 describes this amazing picture that that you were carefully knit together in your mother's womb, that that there's no mistakes with any one of us, that God has a purpose in planting us here and putting us here. And I just want you to know God is faithful. In the past, he's faithful in the present. And I'm telling you, God will be faithful in the future. And the world needs to trust him. Let's go back to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 1. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. What does repent mean? It means, God, I'm going to go your way. I'm turning around. I'm, I'm looking to you, but, it's, but that's just the first step. It's when we recognize our need of, of a Savior, our need to be forgiven, our failure, our flaws. And then Jesus said, look, look at who I am. And we believe in him. 
Belief in Christ is not just a mental ascent. It's like when you walked in the door. I didn't see any of you walk in the door and look at your chair and go, okay, wait. Okay, it's going to hold me. Did any of you do that? Don't admit it if you did. You didn't. You came in and just sat down. You trusted. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. God, I trust you. Do you know him today? Are you one of those people that have maybe walked in the door and you believe that it's all random chance? Well, I'm proposing to you that it's not. That even you being here today is not a random chance. That the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and saying, look, this is what I've done for you. Let's think about this. As a Christian, we are placed in the lives of people that need Jesus, and we are not placed in their lives in random chance. God in his sovereignty and his majesty has put us in these relationships, has called you to whatever he's called you to, whether you're a businessman or a, or a, or a teacher or a coach or you, an engineer. We got like a bazillion engineers in this church. And the reason that you're an engineer is because there are other engineers that need Jesus. And he's put you at an office next to them. God God's plan is masterful. Trust him. Trust him today.